Uh, well, good morning, Southview. How are we? Oh, come on. We can try better than that. 9.30 was much louder, and they didn't have uh, the extra hours and coffee. How are we? Very good. Very good. Glad to have you with us here today. If you're a guest with us, welcome. My name is Brad. I'm the pastor here at Southview, and it's so great to have you with us. As we gather together and start worshiping, I want to read a scripture to you. As we begin our time, Psalm 96, verse 8. It says, Ascribe or give to the Lord the glory, do his name, bring an offering, and come into his courts. Uh, that phrase I want to focus on just for a second is, Give to the Lord the glory, do his name. In other words, God is worthy of something. God is worthy of worship. We don't worship because of, of an emotion. We don't worship because we feel like it. We don't worship because the band played a song that we like. Right? We worship because God is truly worthy of it. And if someone's do something, if you owe something to someone and you don't give that to them, we call that stealing. Right? If they're worthy of it, they're due it, they, they deserve it, it's theirs, it's rightfully theirs, and you need to give it to them, but you keep it for yourself, that's theft. And so, in essence, truly, not worshiping God is spiritual stealing. You're not giving something that's rightfully due Him. So I want to encourage you this morning, we don't worship because, again, we feel like it, or our emotions dictate that, or... We worship because that's the only rightful response of who God is. Right? If you go to see the Grand Canyon or the ocean or a mountain range, whatever your thing is, and it's so big and huge and glorious and amazing, you can't help but just say, wow. Right? This thing just sort of wells up inside of you and comes out. You just can't help but think, wow, that's amazing. That's how it is with worshiping God. Because God is so glorious and so amazing and so beautiful and so perfect, when we see him for who he is, we can't help but worship him. It's due him. He's worthy of it. So I want to encourage you to bow your heads this morning. I want to pray for us. And, and my big prayer for us this morning is very simply that we'll see God for who he is. And if we see God for who, who true, he truly is, then worship will be the response. We will worship because we see that he's worthy of it. So God, I pray for us this morning, God, that we just see you. We see you. We see your beauty, your worth, your majesty, your power, your glory, your honor, your holiness, your love, your grace, your forgiveness, your compassion, your patience on people like us. And as we see you for who you are, God, we're just not going to be able to help but do anything but worship you because you're just so great. You're just worthy of it. So God, well up in us a vision for who you are, and let worship be our natural response for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand, guys. Let's worship together. Amen. Let's worship him for who he is, worthy of all praise. His name is Jesus.
Galatians in chapter 4 he says but when the fullness of time had come God sent forth his son born of woman born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons and because you are sons God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying Abba father so you are no longer a slave but a son and if a son then an heir through God church the greatest blessing that you and I can ever receive it's not, it's not a healthy life or holy marriage or, or financial benefits or a good church. The greatest blessing that we receive is simply salvation through Christ, right? Is that God the Father saw it good to, to kill his son so that we might live through him. And that's why we sing and that's why we celebrate. So my prayer today is that as we realize these things, that our hearts turn closer to him and we treasure Christ more than we treasure anything else, that we value him more than we value anything else. And it is out of that desire that produces true worship in spirit and in truth. And that's why we sing. Let's celebrate the greatness and the grace of our Lord today. Let's sing. 
Let's praise Him, church. Yes. You may be seated. We've all had days in our lives where things change in an instant. I had one of those days about eight years ago whenever I was diagnosed with grade four brain cancer, which has an average life expectancy of about a year. I was in a situation that if God didn't show up, I was going to die. And my husband would have been left to raise our four young children without me. Fear at times was overwhelming and would come in waves. But God was starting to write a story of healing in me that only he could orchestrate. Five days after my diagnosis, I was scheduled for surgery at Duke. The night before I was scheduled to be admitted, I had the most vivid dream I have ever had in my entire life. I dreamt that I was lying on the operating table. I was awake and Dr. Friedman was standing over me. Jesus, dressed in white, radiant, with the biggest, brightest blue eyes, was standing right next to Dr. Friedman with his hand on his shoulder. He looked at Dr. Friedman and then he looked at me and said, don't worry about her, she's going to be okay. I remember waking up with a peace that I can barely describe. I didn't know what okay meant, but I knew that I was going to be okay. So when we heard the pathology, that it was a grade four brain cancer, I was shaken, but not crushed. Because nothing surprises God. He already knew that it was a grade four when he told me I was going to be okay. This mountain was big, but my God is in the habit of moving big mountains. After surgery, I completed two months of radiation and 15 months of chemotherapy. And throughout that time, God was moving me from a state of fear to complete faith because he was asking me to rely on him for strength and for courage as he asked me to take leaps of faith into the unknown. God's fingerprints were everywhere on my journey and I still see them today. Whether big or small, he leaves examples of his love and mercy and grace throughout our days, but sometimes we miss them because we're not paying attention. Zephaniah 3.17 says that God is in our midst and that he's dancing over us with loud singing. God healed me, increased my faith, and helped me to understand that cancer can be a blessing. My name is Rebecca Calhoun, and this is my God story. Amen. Amen. We love to hear your stories. We love to hear what God is doing in you and in your life. If you have a story you'd like to share, you can just text the word story to our number, 910-424-1298. Uh, we would love to hear your story, not necessarily to 
make a video of and show on a Sunday morning or anything, but just to hear your story. We'd love to hear the amazing things that God's doing in you. So we would, we would greatly appreciate for you to do that just so we can say amen with you and echo and praise for God's goodness. Uh, and by the way, also, I'd, I'd say this as well. Like the God stories that we, that we show, the God stories that we do, um, we want to encourage you as well that your God story doesn't necessarily have to mean that it's all ended happily ever after now. Uh, sometimes a God story is, um, I, I've been clean for a decade, um, I've backslid, I've had issues, I've problems, I've fallen, I've struggled. Every day feels like a bit of a struggle, but God is with me through it all. Amen. Right, that's a story. That's, a, that's, that's God and his faithfulness. It's not always nice and neat and simple. Um, but stories of how God has been faithful and true in you. We'd love to hear those. All right. So, hey, if you've got a Bible, let's find James. All right. Actually, two places. We're at James 5. And then in a little bit, we're going to flip over to Matthew chapter 6. So if you want to find them both and put your finger in Matthew 6, you can do that. But we're going to begin our time in James 5. So if you've been with us throughout our series on James... You know, our big idea we've been going after is a faith that saves you will also change you. A faith that saves you will also change you. And the idea behind that has been that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you've been changed by grace through faith in Christ, you're, you're a Christian now, uh, that faith in Christ does something different in you. You live differently, you grow, you mature, you repent of sin, you're, you're closer to the Lord today than you were a year ago, right? Something in you is happening, that's... Real saving faith. And if something in you has not been happening, if you've not really changed, you said a prayer, you did a thing, you got dunked in a pool one time, but nothing in your life is really different or changed, we would say maybe you didn't actually get saved. Because a faith that saves you will also change you. Charles Spurgeon said, um, um, a grace that saves you but does not alter you it's not saving grace. And amen to that. That is true. So that's what we've been going after in James. And so we've been looking at a bunch of really practical, what does this look like to live the faith? And today, we're going to see how a faith in Christ changes the way you view and use and deal with money. Yay! Who's excited that came to church today? Uh, so, let's be honest, I know, all right, I come in today eyes wide open, I know people hate it when preachers talk about money. I know, right, I know that, I understand that. Uh, but uh, the reason we talk about money, quite honestly, is because Jesus talks a lot about money. Uh, in fact, almost half of the teachings of Jesus deals with money. Did you realize that? Almost half of everything he said dealt with money. I love people that are like, you know, you preachers, you just, you always talk about money and hell. You talk more about what Jesus talked about. All right, well, Jesus' top two topics were money and hell. So come back next week for hell. It'll be awesome. One out of every ten verses in the New Testament deals with possessions. One out of every ten verses. That means if you just randomly open your Bible to any page in the New Testament, odds are you're going to find a verse that deals with you and your stuff. It's everywhere. It's a mega theme of the Bible. Why? Why does God talk so much about money? 
Well, I think a couple of reasons. Number one, I think God talks a lot about money because God knows that money is dangerous. Money is dangerous. I did not say money is evil. Money is not evil. You see the scriptures, 1 Timothy chapter 6 tells us that the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. But the Bible does not say that money itself is evil. However, money is dangerous. It's kind of like fire, right? So fire, if used properly, fire can provide life-saving warmth. But if used improperly, money can destroy everything and kill you. That's how it is with with uh, as a fire, and that's how it is with money. Um, just like with your kids, you would tell them, hey, be careful with that fire, it can hurt you. You, as God's kid, looks at you and says, hey, be careful with that money, it can hurt you. Right? So it, it can be dangerous. You've got to be careful. Uh, second is, I think God talks a lot about money because money exposes what's actually in your heart. Uh, a verse that we're going to look at a little more in depth here in just a few minutes is uh, Matthew 6, 21. It says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your money shows where your heart really is. The prophet Jeremiah says that the heart is deceptively wicked. Your heart lies to you and tells you you're better than you are. Right? Your heart's going to lie to you and tell you you're more generous than you really are. You care for the poor more than you really do. That you don't nearly buy as much stuff for yourself as people think you do. No, you're fine. Your heart can lie to you. God knows that money, that your bank account, that your bank statement, that your... I, I, I said checkbook in the first service and I realized I don't know who has a checkbook still, but or your, the app on your phone or whatever shows what's actually in your heart. Your money shows where your heart really is. And so God focuses on money because, listen to me, here's very important. God focuses on your money, not because God cares about your money. This is really super important. The point isn't that God cares about your money. The point is God cares about you. God cares about you. And God understands that how we view money and deal with money can greatly affect us, our hearts, our souls, our lives, our families. And he cares about you. He loves you. So he says, hey, we need, we need to address this. We've got to talk through this. All right? So we're going to be in James 5. And as we do that, there's one question I want just to kind of have us rolling around in our brains as we jump into this. Um, do I live as a giver or a taker? Right? Am, am I a giver or am I a taker? Is my natural inclination to give, or is my natural inclination to, to take? So kind of have that question bouncing around in your heads as we dive into the scriptures this morning, all right? So James chapter 5, let's pick it up in verse 1. James 5, verse 1. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Whew, that's a fun one to start with, isn't it? Come now, you rich, weep and howl. For the miseries that are coming upon you. So a couple of quick things about this verse. Number one is this. Some of you read that verse and went, Shoo, this has nothing to do with me today because I'm not rich. A <laughs> couple of problems there. Uh, number one is this. Uh, according to globalrichlist.com, you want to know how wealthy you are? According to globalrichlist.com, if you bring home $25,000 a year, you bring home 25K a year. You are in the top 2% of wealthiest people on earth. If you bring home 10 grand a year, which is your 
teenage kids part-time job. You bring home 10 grand a year, you're in the top 90% of wealthiest people on earth. You're much richer. You are someone else's Bill Gates. Someone in this world looks at you like Elon Musk. If you have a second change of clothes, you drove here in a car, you're going to have a roof over your head tonight, you got a little bit of cash in the bank, you're not concerned about what lunch you're going to eat today, other than the fact that you're going to drive around for an hour arguing about where you're going to eat. Right? If that's your main concern for lunch, there are literally billions, with a B, billions of people on earth who would love to trade places with you. So, number one, let's grab a little context here. All right? You're much better off than you're thinking. You're much better off than you realize. All right? Um, also, with this verse, most Bible scholars believe that, that James primarily is, is targeting lost people who are oppressing um, poor Christians. All right? That seems to be kind of the primary thing happening here. All right? uh, lost, wealthy landowners are oppressing uh, poor people in the church, so he's addressing that. Right? But that doesn't mean, again, this doesn't affect us. What we want to do as we look at the scripture is to see as he's rebuking these people to also say, okay, Lord, what are, we want to make sure that these things aren't in our hearts, right? Because they can still be things that well up their tendencies in our hearts. So look again at verse 1 real quick. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. The, the, the big idea I want you to get is these people are consumed with the right here and right now. And financially, what they can do to make themselves feel better and enjoy life more at the right here and now. Not realizing that there is something coming down the road. A judgment. A a day where what you amass on this earth isn't going to mean anything. Right? It isn't going to help you. It isn't going to benefit you. It isn't going to profit you in any significant way. He says, listen to me, those of you who are wealthy, those of you who are much better off than we really deserve to be. Understand that there's going to come a day, and we need to focus on that day and what that means. So, so real quick, as we go through this text, I want to show you um, four sins that they're committing. Just real quick, I want to show you that, and then we're going to focus on what Christ says to us about this and kind of what this means for our walk with the Lord. So, uh, four sins that these guys are committing. One, uh, in verse 2, they were hoarding their money. Look at verses 2 and 3. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure in the last days. That little phrase there at the last of verse 3, you've laid up treasure, that little phrase you've laid up, means to hoard, to heap up, to mass up, right? to, 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 to get everything for yourself, everything for me, everything for me, everything for me, everything for me. They're, they're just hoarding as much as possible. But what they think, that I'm just getting as much as I can, I'm getting as much as I can, as much as I can. What God says here, though, is what you're amassing for yourself is actually going to fuel the flames of hell that eat your flesh. That's not good. Right? You think you're just hoarding for yourself. Actually, you're just gathering kindling for the fires of hell. Right, that's a, that's a big deal. All right, so they're, they're hoarding everything for themselves. Verse 4, the next thing is they're stealing other people's money. Verse 4, behold the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, 
which you kept back by fraud or crying out against you, and the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. So they offered people like, hey, uh, uh, you mowed my field, I'm going to pay you this much. But when after they did the work, they figured out some loophole. It says they defrauded them, some loophole, some whatever, to stop them from having to pay their money. They're, they're stealing, right? They're, they're stealing other people's rightfully earned money and keeping it for themselves. Uh, third, verse 5. Uh, They're using money to feed their own pleasures. Verse 5, you've lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. So in all that they're amassing for themselves, this luxury, this self-indulgence, the spending on themselves and spending on themselves and spending on themselves and spending on themselves. They're just fattening themselves up for the day of slaughter. It actually ends up, again, as their judgment and not blessing. And then last, verse 6. They were ruthless with their money. Verse 6, you have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He did not resist you. The idea here is that they've been so ruthless in their business dealings that they've hindered people from being able to actually provide food for their families, thus condemning them to starve to death. They've been so ruthless that they're actually robbing food from people's tables and and condemning them to death. It's murder. So so we, we look at these people and they are... Takers and not givers, correct? They're hoarding for themselves. They're stealing what belongs to other people. They're spending everything on their own pleasures. They're ruthlessly seeking to to take what rightfully belongs to other people. These guys are not only takers, they're takers on steroids, right? This is huge. These guys are not good guys. They're wicked. They're wicked. And it would be really easy for us to look at them and go, wow, these guys are bad. I'm glad I'm not them. But what I want us to do is we flip over to Matthew chapter 6. Is to see something, all right? Um, So flip over to Matthew chapter 6. And and as we read Matthew 6, here's what I want you to see. So we read James 5, and I want us to read Matthew 6. And I want you to listen for how similar it is. What you're going to find is this. James is the little brother of Jesus. And like all little brothers, James steals his big brother's stuff. Right? So little brother James... He's totally ripping off big brother Jesus and building out this teaching in James 5. So let's go back to the original source where James got it from, Matthew chapter 6, Sermon on the Mount, and see what big brother Jesus has to say about all this. And what you're going to see is, not only is Jesus saying, hey, that's a bad thing, don't do that. He's going to address, now here's what I want you to do. Here's how you should be living. So, Matthew chapter 6, we'll pick it up in verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in. And still, so you can see there, you you hear the similarities, right? He's like, look, you're amassing stuff for yourself, but they're going to be rust and moth-eaten. It's going to be stolen by thieves, right? You're trying to amass things on earth, but it isn't going to go with you. It isn't going to stay with you. And so it's just going to ultimately end in nothing. So you should not be doing that. But then Jesus is going to take it a step further and he's going to say, instead, here's how you should, as a follower of Christ, as people of God, as redeemed people of God, here's how you should be viewing money, seeing money, using money. So we're going to break this down into three questions that I want you to ask yourself, okay, as we go through the rest of the text. Three questions I want you to ask yourself when it comes to money, all right? So pick it up in verse 20. The first question we're going to ask is, where is your treasure. Where's my treasure? 
So again, verse 19 says, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Verse 20, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Verse 21, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what Jesus seems to be saying here is you got two options. And what you're going to see all throughout this passage here, um, all of these scriptures that we're going to look at is you, it's either this or it's this. Uh, God is not going to provide a middle lane for you. A middle lane where you can kind of do a little bit of this and a little bit of this. No, you're either here or you're here. And what he says here is you're either storing up treasures on earth that are going to just ultimately corrode and fall apart and turn to nothing. Or you can store up treasures in heaven. Like you're going, again, the same, that, that idea of laid up. Same thing we saw in James 5 of hoarding. So he's like, okay, you can hoard, but you've got to hoard good things. And in a good way, in a good place. You can either hoard up, lay up treasures on earth that are ultimately just going to corrode and come to nothing. Or you can hoard up treasures in heaven where it's safe and it's secure. And then you get verse 21, which is where I want us to kind of really focus in on. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So it says two locations, either earth or heaven. And it says for where your treasure is, whether you're heaping up treasures on earth or treasures in heaven, that's where your heart's going to be. So track with this and follow. Notice what's happening here. Your heart is following your money. Your money does not follow your heart. Wherever your treasure is, that is where your heart's going to be. Have you ever said or ever heard anyone else say something along the lines of, well, when God moves in my heart for that, then I'll give. When God moves in my heart for that, then I'll help there. I, I, I hear what you're saying, but I just don't feel it moving in my heart to care for that. Jesus would say you got it backwards. You're trying to be more grace-filled than Jesus. Jesus doesn't say, when your heart is moved to something, then you'll give to it. What he says is, what you're giving to, that's where your heart's going to be. So, track with this. You ready? Do you in this room feel like, you know, I'd like to grow in the Lord I'd like to mature in the Lord. I'd like to take another step of faith. But for some reason, it just feels like there's a ceiling there. Like, I don't get it. Like, I, I want to grow. I want to mature. But something just seems to stop me. Matthew 6, 21 would say, perhaps, maybe not, perhaps the issue is you are so seeking to amass treasures on earth, you have chained your heart here, and it can't go to heaven. It can't go to the things of God because where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. And we've so organized our life and our resources and everything in us to be about this earth and this place and what I can get and what I need and what I can accomplish and what about my future and what about this and what about that. We've so organized our life to be about this rock floating through the universe, which one day is just going to burst into flames, not global warming, Jesus. We've so put everything into this bucket that our hearts can't go to God. It just can't happen. You've, you've chained your heart to this earth. 
So the question Jesus asks is, where's your treasure? It's a super, very practical spiritual question. Where's your treasure? Where are you seeking to amass your treasure? Now, God is not anti-investment. Just like we saw last week, God's not anti-planning. What God is is anti-you planning apart from him. And God is not anti-investment, right? God's not anti-401k. God's not anti-retirement um, fund. God's not anti-IRA. God's not anti-investment, whether it be stocks or real estate or crypto or whatever. God's not anti those things. What God is warning us is this. Are you so focused on amassing treasure here that your heart can't go to God? Because wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. Your heart loves this earth because your money's here. Your heart loves this earth and can't fully love God because you put all your treasure here. Again, money is not evil. Wealth isn't evil. Those things aren't bad. The question is, where's your primary focus? Is your focus on amassing treasure here? Or is your primary focus on storing up treasures in heaven? And we'll chat in just a little bit of what that could practically look like and how you play that out. Uh, second question that he's asking is this, verse 22. How well do you see? What's your eyesight like? Verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? How well do you see? In other words, if your focus is on money here on earth, it's going to blur your vision. You're not going to be able to see clearly. You don't clearly see who God is. You don't clearly see the needs of those around you. You don't clearly see how bad you're jacking it up. You think you've provided well for your family because they lack nothing, but you've not given to the spiritual that they need. You, you, you think you, and again, I, under, I understand Proverbs teaches that a wise man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. That's true. But Solomon also says in Ecclesiastes, you're going to amass a fortune, give it to your moron son, he's going to blow it. There's no guarantee, right? There's no guarantee. We try so hard to provide for our kids, but we don't understand that we're not providing the spiritual what really matters. What really matters? How's your vision? How are you seeing clearly? How are we providing? How are we discipling? How are we teaching our kids? How are we preparing our finances? Are we seeing the big game in view, not just this short little time here on earth? Again, like we saw last week with planning, you don't know what tomorrow is going to hold or even if you're going to be alive for it. There's a parable in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus talks about a wealthy man who worked hard and amassed his fortune. And he, he went to bed that night thinking, oh man, how awesome am I? Look at the barns that I've built. Look at the grain that I've amassed. Look at the wealth that I've accumulated. This is great. And Jesus says, you fool, you're going to die tonight. And what is all that going to matter? It doesn't. It's about vision. Do you see beyond the here and now? Do you see beyond this little life? 
Do you see beyond what you're trying to do? And again, vision also can be a, a, a reverse thing as well, something in the past. How's your vision within the past? A lot of times people who struggle with money today, who struggle with hoarding money, who struggle being givers, a lot of times that happens as a result of you grew up in a certain way and you swore your kids would never have to experience what you experienced. You swore I will never go back to that. You grew up in a way where you struggled and fought and clawed for everything. And you said I never, ever, 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 ever want to do that again. And I get that. But what's happening with that fear is you're allowing that to be your God. That is your idol. And you are desperately amassing a fortune here so that you don't have to go back to what you view as your personal hell. Instead of trusting God, I trust Him. I trust Him with my future. I trust Him with my finances. Do you see God clearly, yourself clearly, your life clearly, your future clearly? Money will either cloud that vision or if you have a healthy view of money, a God-honoring view of money, it'll give you a clear vision. You see clearly of how to bless others and glorify God with your finances. And the third question I want you to see, verse 24, who is your master? Who's your master? Verse 24, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Who's your master? So that word serve there, duleo, uh, it, it speaks to a, a slave, not an employee. Right? It's not like you can work multiple jobs. The idea here is servanthood. And, and as a slave, you belong to a master. right? And, and, and you don't co-op out to someone else. right? You, you belong to one particular master. You only serve one master. And that's the way he's describing this. And he ends in verse 24 with this idea, you cannot serve God and money. Now, if you are reading a King James Version, when it says you cannot serve God and what? What does it say? Mammon. So, the Greek word mammon there, uh, it's really interesting. So, so when the King James um, interpreters were putting together the, the King James uh, version, they chose to stick with mammon for a reason. They didn't translate it out as money or wealth, as a lot of our translations have. I read the ESV, it translates it out as money. Not bad, I get it. But the King James uh, um, uh, interpreters chose to stick with mammon. Here's the reason. The word mammon is a really interesting loaded word. It's not just an easy translation over to money or wealth. There's something else to it. It's, it's, there's almost a spiritual component to it. Right? It's, it's not just, well, God or money. It's being devoted and serving and worshiping God. Or worshiping the God of money. Right? That's what he's telling you to decide between. Either you are solely, completely, 100% devoted to God, or you are 100% completely devoted to the little g God of money, mammon. And he says you got to pick. You can't assume one or the other. you got to choose. Who's your master? Who do you serve? Who do you follow? Are you a giver or are you a taker? Are you someone who thinks about money 
almost entirely within the concept of what's happening here on this earth and what can I do and I want to make sure we're secure and I want to make sure we're safe and all that's great but if that's all you're thinking then you are serving the God of money you're serving you're worshiping you're sacrificing you're idolizing mammon if your entire purpose is that making sure we're safe here and secure here and 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 provided for here and and we have plenty of comfort here the Bible says you're, you're an idolater because there's something greater. You can either do treasure on earth or you can do treasure in heaven. You can have bad eyesight that makes everything cloudy or you can have clear eyesight that makes everything clear. You can either serve God or you can serve mammon, but you can't serve both. So then what do we do about this? How do we kind of practically walk through this idea? I'm going to give you a couple of ideas just to think through. Uh, so sort of what now? I think step one for you is to honestly examine your life in terms of your finances. Just take an honest, hard look at your finances and ask yourself a couple of questions. Uh, question number one, are you in debt? Are you in debt? By definition, debt is chaining yourself to someone or something, right? So are you in debt? My suggestion, my encouragement for you would be to get out of debt. Uh, we're partners here with Dave Ramsey, his ministry, Financial Peace University. We provide that. We have trained financial counselors here who can help you walk through your situation and, and help you think through a plan to get out of debt. We can provide that for you. We want to shepherd you through that, not just say, hey, do a thing. We want to help you there. Reach out to us and let us do that for you. Um, do you hoard things? Clothes, food, money, whatever. Do you hoard? What's the, what's the foundational reasoning or rationale behind that? It's a, it's a fear. It's a lack of trust. It's a lack of faith. Are you guilty of accumulating wealth for yourself, your family, your interests, your desires, your retirement? Your, is that you? Have you been using money for any ungodly reason? Are you withholding something that's rightfully due to someone else? Are there any excesses in your life, whether it be investments or pleasures or possessions or entertainment? Examine your heart. Examine your life and see where your heart is. Is your heart on earth because your treasure is mainly amassing here? Or is your heart in heaven because you're amassing your treasure there? So one, honestly examine your life in terms of your finances. Number two, I would encourage you to actively seek the opportunity to store treasure in heaven. So how do we do that, right? That's the practical. How do you do that? Store up treasure in heaven. Like, I, I don't know how to do that. Like, where do I go to, you know, heaven, bank, and trust? Like, I don't know what to do. How do I do that? So let's think about that. If we're storing up treasure in heaven, that means we want to put our money in something that's going to last for eternity. Right? Heaven is eternity, so we want to put our finances in places that are going to last forever. So what lasts forever? A few things. Number one, people last forever. People last forever. You will last for all of eternity. You are not just going to be worm food. You will exist for all of eternity, either in heaven or in hell, but you will exist for all of eternity. So, we give for people. In fact, Jesus actually answers this question. How do you store up treasure in heaven? Jesus actually answers it. Matthew 19, 21. Give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Like he literally answered the question. How do we do that? Give to the poor. Give to them. Care for them. Provide financial needs. 
take care of the poor. And in so doing, you will be storing up treasure in heaven. Here's how you do that. Uh, Second, what's for all of eternity? Again, heaven and hell. I think you invest in ministries and in people and in situations and in institutions that seek to share the gospel. Put your money there. Give your money to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering that cares for, that, that, that serves international missions. In just a week or two, we're going to start pushing the Annie Armstrong Easter offering, which is about North American missions. Did you know the cities of New York, Boston, San Francisco, Seattle, Chicago, there are so few Christians there, it technically could be considered an unreached people group? It's about less than 2%. There, there's a need there. In just a few weeks, Give to the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. Every, 100% of that leaves here. None of it stays in the house. We give all of that to the North American Mission Board to help put missionaries and church planters and pastors in those cities that need to hear the gospel. That's you investing in the kingdom. That's you storing up treasure in heaven. Right? Also, you can give to your church, whether it's this church or some other church. It doesn't matter to me. Look, Southview Baptist Church is not going to last for eternity. We're going to stop one day, all right? But Big C Church, the redeemed people of God, they're going to last forever. We're going to exist for all of eternity. And the way you pour in to the people of God is by giving to your local church. Give. Give. And and I want you to consider this. I'm going to ask our band to come up. Here's the big idea. See giving as an overflow of what Christ has given to you. So... So just give me about four more minutes and we're going to be done. I know when it comes to money, and church is talking about money, people get really tight, like, ugh. But here's why. Again, here's why we address it. Not because God cares about your money, not because God needs your money, not because we need your money. The reason God addresses this, and therefore the reason we address this, is not, again, because God needs your money or God wants your money, because God wants you. People are like, well, God's after my money. No, no, no. God's after way more than that. God wants your life. The point of all of it is, we want you to see today that Jesus Christ gave everything for you and when you see how great and glorious and amazing the sacrifice jesus was for you how much he gave for you how much he laid down his entire life for you he shed his blood for you you freely laid down everything for him so now god has my life god has my sin i give god my shame i give god my past my present my future i give god my hopes my dreams, my failures, my pain. I give him everything. I give him my marriage. I give him my kids. I give him my career. I give him my sex life. I give him my money. I give him everything because he gave everything for me. I have to give everything to him. The whole point is when you see how glorious and amazing the gospel of Jesus Christ is, you and what Christ gave so that you can be made new, so that you can be forgiven, so that you can be redeemed, so that you can be made a child of God. When you see the sacrifice laid down for you, you gladly and freely lay everything down for him. And that includes, yeah, even your money. 
2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. The idea behind this verse is, Jesus Christ, as God, creator, redeemer, sustainer of the universe. Everything is his. Everything belongs to him. Everything is under his dominion. But he freely and gladly set all of that aside, emptied himself of everything, laying down as a sacrifice on the cross for you. He gave everything so that you, even though you were spiritually dirt poor and had nothing to offer God, he laid everything down so that you, through his sacrifice, can become rich in him. Filled with forgiveness and life and joy and meaning and purpose because Jesus laid it all down for you. And when we see how great his sacrifice was for us, how much he laid down for us, yeah, and we give him everything. Again, like we said at the beginning of the service, the glory do his name. We see how awesome and amazing and glorious and powerful and beautiful and life-giving Jesus is. We just want to give him everything. So yes, I lay down my future. I lay down my plans. I lay down my life. I lay down my hope. That you want. Because we see how great he is. So what I want us to do this morning is I'm going to I'm going to pray for us. Our band's going to lead us in one more song. And I think kind of the, the invitation push here for us this morning is that we want to pray that God gives us a greater vision of who he is. A greater vision of who Jesus Christ is. A greater vision and understanding of how glorious the gospel is. That Jesus Christ laid down his life to make me new, to give me new life, to forgive me, to snatch me out of hell, to make me new in him. He did this for me, and so I just want to give everything to him. He's worthy of it all. He's do it all. It's all his. I give my life, my hope, my dreams, my everything to him. And yes, for us today, even my money. It's all his. He's worthy of it. So Lord, I pray, God, that you would allow that vision to well up in us. A vision of who you are, how beautiful and amazing and glorious you are. That as we see who you truly are and what that means for us, that we will gladly lay everything down for you. We give you it all. We trust you with it all. We thank you, Jesus, that you give your life to us. So that we even have the opportunity to lay down everything for you. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. Move in the hearts of your people here today. In your name. Amen. Let's stand. Let's worship. Our Father everlasting, the all-creating one, God Almighty. Spirit conceiving Christ the Son, 
Jesus, our Savior. I believe in God, our Father. I believe in Christ, our Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. I believe, I believe. Oh, oh. A judge and a defender suffered and crucified. Forgiveness is in. Guys, I want to get you, 
get you out of here, but just a couple of quick announcements for you this morning. One is this, if you're a guest, welcome. We're so glad that you're here today. Uh, if you are a guest, we'd love to connect with you two big ways. One, uh, my wife and I will be up front here. We'd love for you to come up and say hi, just to meet you, name and a face. Uh, second is this, if you're a guest, we'd love for you to take your cell phone and just simply text the word CONNECT to our number, 910-424-1298. Just text the word CONNECT uh, so we can just know you're here and how we can pray for you and minister to you in the best way possible. Uh, but for everyone, I've got three big announcements for you, all right? What's going on? One is this, Vacation Bible School. BBS is coming in June, but we need to get our volunteers set up, all right? So if you'd like to volunteer for that, you can text the word volunteer to our number, 910-424-1298. And we have two training sessions. Just pick one. All you have to do is come to one, either this coming Sunday, the 27th, or the following Sunday, April 3rd. We ask that you pick one of those to be a part of so you can serve in BBS uh, coming up in June. Second announcement, membership class starting this coming Sunday, uh, March 27th, April 3rd, April 10th. Membership class, if you'd like to be a part of that, text member. We already have a class full, so if you want to be a part of that, come on. Text member to be a part of that uh, so you can go through our membership process here at Southview. Uh, and then last announcement, Easter weekend. So excited about Easter weekend coming up for us big weekend plan. <clears throat> on Friday night, we're going to have a worship service for Good Friday. Saturday, we're going to have a picnic here on the grounds um, uh, with a barbecue cook-off and um, uh, Easter egg hunt for the kids, uh, cornhole tournament, all kinds of stuff. In fact, for that barbecue cookout, I believe there is going to be a interest meeting in that right now in a second in the uh, uh, multimedia room here and so if you'd like to be a part of that or interested in that you can go pop in there and check that out um, but we encourage you for everyone sign up for that weekend you can text the word easter all right text the word easter that does a couple of things one tells us how many to prepare for meal wise second you can get your kids signed up for the easter egg hunt you can get yourself signed up for the cornhole tournament you can uh, volunteer we're going to need lots of volunteers that saturday so sign up for that and uh, really, really, really excited. And then also, bring someone with you Easter Sunday. Bring someone with you uh, so they can come and hear the good news of Jesus Christ and His resurrection. Uh, next is this. I totally lied to you, and so I want to confess and repent right now. Um, I told you that I had three announcements. I lied. I don't have three announcements, but I couldn't fit them all in there. Uh, so two more quick announcements. Number one is this. Guys are going to have a rafting trip. Uh, rafting trip is going to be... Uh, the dates of that are going to be um, April 28th through May 1st. You're going to uh, raft the Nantahala. Uh, it's going to be, a, it's a great river, some class two, class three rapids. Um, and so if you're kind of new to this thing, it's going to be a good way for you to jump in, just meet some guys. If you've done it before, it's still good excitement and fun to do. Um, so if you want to come be a part of that, come on. $250 for, guy, for men, $150 if you want to bring your son with you, teenage son. You can bring your teenage son with you. Uh, 250 for for the uh, dad uh, men and 150 for uh, teenage son that want to come with you. So come be a part of that. That's going to be April 28th through May 1st. And then my last announcement. Truly, I'm not lying to you. My last announcement. We had another HVAC unit go out. <laughs> um, so uh, down in the kids' uh, uh, side again. So uh, two weeks from today, we're going to vote on that. We've got letters in the back if you want to get the information on that. We're going to vote on that in two Sundays um, to get that squared away so we can get that uh, up and rolling. All right, I promise that's my last announcement. 
Uh, for anything else going on, you can download the app, iTunes, Google Play, Southview Baptist Church app. You can find everything that you need there and get plugged in and connected. All right? Let me pray for you and get you out of here, guys. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your life given to us. We thank you, God, for what that means. We thank you, Lord God, that we can live out new life in you your glory and as we see you Jesus and all that you gave for us I pray that we'll be stirred to lay everything down for you. We love you Lord. we pray this in your name. Amen. God bless you guys. Love you. Have a great day.